Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to the Big Fly Pod with your co-hosts Vinny D'Amato and Ty Lewin. Episode 43, Vinny. You're just racking them up at this point, pal. Just ready to go. I hit the ground running. We, we don't crawl here. You know, we don't crawl. We don't crawl. It's been an intriguing week of baseball. Uh, if you did not listen into our last episode, we discussed Craig Council to the Cubs along with the top free agents, maybe our underrated free agents as well, and along with the award finalists. Okay, Next week, we'll talk about uh, who ends up winning those awards and maybe even some predictions prior to that as well. Looking at today's episode, we're going to be starting this series, folks, where we go over each team. We start at the lowest-ranked team, in, according to MLB.com Power Rankings. Unfortunately, that's going to be the Oakland A's. Interesting storylines, more than an interesting lineup going into the 2024 season. But as uh, hopefully every week or every two weeks, we'll start to dwindle down until we get to the top-ranked team. Hopefully, by the time we get to the number one team, the top free agents have been taken off the market. We're able to talk about what those teams look like then in 2024 with those top free agents. But with the lower end of the power rankings with those teams, you know, we don't expect them to make major moves. We don't expect the Oakland A's to uh, have Shohei Otani playing for them in 2024. So we're going to go off of what their lineups and prospects and what other storylines are heading into the 2024 season. Vinny, looking at the Oakland A's, okay, starting off here, a couple storylines going into the 2024 season, one being about their owner, John Fisher. Okay, many A's fans have given their thoughts as to what this man has done. The A's had the MLB lowest payroll in 2023 at $56.9 million. That might be what Otani earns each year. What's wrong with John Fisher? That is a great way to start um, about what's wrong with John Fisher. And this is... Um... It's difficult, right? And, and it's a it's a complicated situation. But the thing I will start off with is John Fisher has been asking the city of Oakland for quite a while now to build a new stadium, Tyler. And Oakland has not wanted to give him money. They said, no, you'll play at the Coliseum. That'll work just fine. And we've, you know, we see similar things around the country in, in sports. But John Fisher decided, okay, well, if you're not going to help me build a new stadium, we're not making enough money, I am going to go somewhere else. And so he went to Las Vegas and he said, hey, would you guys fund a new stadium? And they said, after a while, they said, sure, we'll give you $380 million. And so um, from the state of Nevada. So that would essentially be enough. He, he would get enough funding from, I think, Goldman Sachs and um, take out a loan. So he has the funding to move. The only thing standing in his way is, I guess there's a few things. The first thing is the vote. So he and the Oakland A's, if they were to move to Las Vegas, they would need 23 of the 30 um, owners to approve this move. So pretty hefty number of owners need to approve this in order for them to move. Um, How many owners you said? 23 out of 30. 
Oh, interesting. I did not know yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So in order for them to move to Vegas. So that is the first obstacle. And that vote will take place next week. So um, once we see what happens from that vote, maybe we talk about it briefly on the, the podcast. But um, that is the first obstacle. The second one is um, recently... I think actually just yesterday, the mayor and the city council, they came out in public and they agreed they want the A's to stay in Oakland. And Tyler, I don't know if you remember this um, earlier in the year, but there was the reverse boycott, right? Do you remember the reverse boycott? Sure do. Yep. So that is when everyone in the city of Oakland who wanted the A's to stay, instead of not going to games, because who would want to watch the Oakland A's? I'm sorry, Oakland A's players, but you guys didn't put out a good product. Um, and so those fans decided to go to the stadium. They were reverse boycotting, meaning they were going to the games because they wanted the team to stay and they were sick of the owner wanting to move them. They said, there's a lot of history here in Oakland. Um, we even have a movie made after us. Have you seen Moneyball? Like, so they want the fans to stay, or I'm sorry, they want the A's to stay. The fans mostly do. Um, and that's why you saw a lot of signs saying, sell the team, right? They want John Fisher to just get rid of the team. If you're going to try to move us, just sell us, let somebody else fix us. Um, so that is the second obstacle. And the third one, and I don't know how um, large of a, of a real obstacle this is because we see this all the time. And Tyler, this is where I'm going to pass it back to you, is there's a moral question that kind of comes up here. So the state of Nevada said they are willing to pay $380 million, correct? The, I want to get the name of it, right? Where did I, I wrote it down. Oh, Schools Over Stadiums is a organization or an organization that has been created by teachers, Schools Over Stadiums, and they are fighting back and they say, you are not, what, you're not going to give this $380 million to a, a sports team coming in just so you guys can make more money. We need the money for schools and funding. So, we see this all the time in college sports, especially, and, um, you know, we've seen it in some pros as well. So, Tyler, this is where I'm going to ask you. Morally, you know, is this something that makes sense for people? Like, are we allowed to, you know, pay for $380 million and then plus a bunch more just to put in a stadium for sports? Or should that money be going to, you know, other maybe possibly more important things such as education or, or whatever else is on the docket? That is a fantastic question. It's tough one to at, answer. It's very tough, you know? Yeah, it's a cringy topic. Mm -hmm. uh, um, okay, so you build you build Allegiant Stadium yep. for the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have that already going for yourself. Um, you have one of not if the most lucrative <laughs> uh, style of city in the United States when it comes to uh, Vegas's, uh, you know, jackpots and, and casinos. I'm actually looking up uh, an interesting stat here. Give me one sec. Sure. Um, and I can then, I guess, keep talking about um, some other things that are going on with it. So moving forward, right, some of the arguments that the city of Oakland has made is that Vegas is starting at square one, right? Like they would have to build the stadium, you know, and, and do everything that is required for bringing a, an MLB team to the city. But I would argue, too, they've just done that with the NFL. So I assume that they would know, you know, some, some way around the ropes. And 
the field. So Tyler, I actually, at some point we should share the potential um, look of the field. So the field would likely be on the site of the Tropicana Casino and Resort, um, which is owned by Bally's and it's at the very South end of the strip. So if you've ever been to, have you been to Vegas, Tyler? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> um, so at the very end, the South end of the strip is, is the Tropicana and they own yep. nine acres and the potential place for the field it looks absolutely stunning. They would put the field so that you could see the Vegas strip looking out to the outfield. So like if you were sitting behind home plate out towards left field, you'd be able to see the entire strip. It would be a partially retractable roof because it gets sweltering hot in the summer. So you'd have a partially retracted roof. Um, you'd probably keep it closed on most summer days, but during the night when when you get to open the roof, it'd be a beautiful sight. It'd be probably one of the best views a stadium would offer, if not the best view um, on a stadium. So, you know, does does fan enjoyment come into this as well, right? They want to put a good product out there. That's going to be a good product, right? Fans are going to want to go to a brand new stadium with the best view in the MLB, um, you know. So I don't know. I'll pass it back to you. I don't know if you found your data or what, but that is another thing to keep in mind as well. We want to get a little. I'm just going to get slightly a little political. Nevada uh, is ranked number 38 in the United States in regards to their education. So maybe I can see where they're coming from. Because um, 380 million dollars, nothing to scoff at, right? That's that's quite a bit of money, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, there can't be just a little bit of dough that gets thrown towards. You know, yeah. education, yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, now, we saw what's happened with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, that has turned into an amazing investment. Mm -hmm. Win a Stanley Cup, sold out every night. They have they brought a spectacle to, um, to Vegas. You've already brought in the Raiders fans, right? That stadium is popping every single uh, Sunday or Thursday or whenever that game is. So, again... I, I can't speak to too much as to what those financials look like and where that money um, can go and, and that or not, but I'm guessing they can throw a little cash to the kids, maybe for the kids one time. Right? I'd be curious to know what, what K May's take is as a teacher. And I, I was a former teacher as well. I taught for a few years after college. So it, it is a, it's a sensitive topic for me. Like I, you know, and I assume it would be for him. Um, what is your opinion? Are you excited for them to potentially move? Would you rather see them in Vegas? Okay, here's my opinion. So it took a reverse boycott for all these fans to come out, right? Okay, that's great. It was an awesome site. They had the signs over the stadium and this and that. My problem is, is that why, why do we have the lowest payroll in baseball? Why haven't you moved away from your money ball mindset? Why... Can you not keep some of these players? Why do you simply keep trading these players away? So my worry is, is that, so if you move this team, does that change? And if it doesn't change, then why the hell would you move to Vegas? Because all, all you're going to do is you're going to bring this team to Vegas. And if you're not going to spend the money for the right player or for the players, to keep them, because we've seen that with other teams, usually the highest payrolls are are pretty successful in what they do. Okay, there's a there's a couple 
outsiders in that realm. But if you are the Oakland A's, if you are John Fisher, if you are going to move this team, then that mantra truly has to change. And we need to stop with this whole money ball mindset and start paying these players. Because if I look at Vinny, if I and I know we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, mm-hmm. but your highest paid player is Diaz. Uh, El, 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 is it uh, Diaz? Is yeah. that how you say his sure. first name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight million in 2024. Sean Newcomb is getting paid one million, <laughs> and then after that, you have all pre-arb guys. So what? So. Like these fans, while they love their team and the reverse boycott was a fantastic spectacle, I I don't see how moving to Vegas is going to change anything if you continue to keep this mindset. Yeah, um, maybe it's just the fresh start, fresh page. I, I don't know. That's a great question, right? And I, I internally wonder the same thing about the Chicago Bears, right? I, who are currently playing. I. Hey, did you know they're playing on Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers, who are the fight for the number one pick? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Bears finished three and 14 last year. They're two and seven now, mm-hmm. and they're moving to Arlington Heights uh, potentially. Right. That's the the idea It's like. So, OK, does moving help or is that kind of a side thing? Like it, it almost feels like a distraction. And I, I would like to see, you know, we should have maybe dove into the data about when teams move. Mm-hmm. Do they tend to get better or you know did what kind of win-loss percentage is um you know happens after the move so that would be an interesting thing to maybe um dive into at some point but that's a great question right i i don't know i don't know the answer to it it's it's just i look at that and i say okay that's great so moving a city now you're going to change everything right these habits and and your decision making and your your budget now I can see where moving to Vegas, you're probably going to have more fans just based on the fact that it's Vegas and that you're going to have people that come into town. They're looking for stuff to do. They're going to go to that game. I don't know the layout of of Oakland and, and how that looks for fans getting to the game and how easy that is. It doesn't make it easier when your team is, you know, yeah. maybe one of the worst baseball teams recorded in the history of of the of of the MLB mm-hmm. this past year. So, I don't know if right now it's just difficult or anything because it didn't seem difficult on the reverse boycott. Um I just I don't know, man. It's there and has it's, to be a lot of things that change. Yeah, it's one of those like difficult cycles to break, right? Because you need fans in order to make money, right? You have to have people come to the ballpark, but the fans aren't going to come unless you have players. And how are you going to pay those players unless the fans show up? And so they put themselves in this rut and maybe they feel like this is how they're going to get out. I did find the numbers on MLB attendance. Do you want to, do you want to take a guess who was last in MLB attendance? I'm going to guess that there was a triple a team that had a higher attendance this year than the Oakland athletics. That's interesting. I, I it doesn't show triple a teams, but I, I would bet that they're probably what's the, is. what's the Oakland athletics attendance. They averaged 10,000 fans. The next closest to them was Miami who averaged 14,000 fans. But the number that's really mind blowing is they were the only team to have less than a million total fans throughout the year. They were, 300,000 fans fewer than the next closest team throughout the entire season. That that's just insane to me. And 
quite frankly, I don't I don't blame the A's fans. I wouldn't want to go watch potentially the worst team in baseball. Like you better be handing those tickets out for five bucks or something. And at that point, you know, they're just they're not making enough money. So it is a cycle that is probably difficult to break. And maybe they feel like moving to Vegas is just a place that they, you know, feel like they could break it. Go ahead. Now, now I was going to say is that you have now the number one overall pick. Okay, there's a couple guys out there right now that look really, really nice. Jack Eckleon out of out of Florida looks like an absolute. Uh, looks like you know a mm-hmm. a version of Otani. I don't want to call him the next Otani because that's that's Won't that's happen. wrong to do the to to Caglion. But um, I did look at the AAA statistics. So you said ten thousand on average. Yes. Okay, so the. The Worcester Red Sox had 8,100. So they had 2,000 less people. But I can almost guarantee if that average attendance is that high, there had to be a game that they beat out the A's. Oh, I with an yeah. attendance in the game. 100%. So the A's I, now, you're going to, you're going to, one second. Yeah, so they, please. you're going to now, you're going to continue to be the worst team in the league. So you're going to, you're going to somehow build up your farm system. But as we know, these guys now. My question is: Is that are there investments going into their scouting? Are there investments going into their minor league development? We saw a couple guys this year that had some really, really good seasons. All right, Brent Rooker, Zach Eloff, some of these guys that uh, Ruiz, you know, talented guys that were a lot of fun to pick up in fantasy baseball. By the way, but if this is your idea of how to build an organization back up, it's just getting you know top picks, top pick, top pick. That's great. But those guys have to develop. So I'm interested to know is how are they doing from a development standpoint? And I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit with the prospect rankings that don't look too good right now. But again, these mm-hmm. things could change. They could develop this and that. And all these things could change as they go to Vegas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. hundred so, percent. I did want to point out real quick before I move on. If they go to Vegas, is, excuse me. If, if yes, yes. Um, I, I wonder how much the 10,000 number is inflated because of the reverse boycott. I don't know if you saw the numbers <laughs> as, as to how much they spike. I mean, it was almost it's double their a, attendance. Yeah. It's over 162 so, game stretch, but um, right. But I do imagine maybe that brings them below to maybe they're right next to the, I think it's pronounced worse. Um, Worcester, uh, Worcester, something like Worcester. that. Yeah, Worcester. No, it's Worcester. Yeah. Something Worcester, like that. Right, right and side. also, yeah. yeah. So I I'm curious, but anyways, yeah. So, just kind of a weird situation. I'm excited to see what happens from this vote. Um, but I, if if I were to give it a percentage, I would say it's probably more likely that they go than not go to Vegas because, I mean, what I think great, what'd what would be great to get is kind of get, figuring out like from like the NHL and the NFL, like have they seen uh, the mm-hmm. from their profitability throughout their you know, whatever, I, I forget the term, like market share and everything, or um, their profit margins, did that expand now based on the fact of, now I know the Vegas Knights were an expansion team, but, you know, with the Raiders, you know, have they seen that grow? Um, because that was a massive investment into that stadium. But again, these, going back to your education thing, it's a sensitive topic, but... Mm-hmm. I think the city, unfortunately, is going to see more value in a sports team because that's it's it's unfortunate, but like that is what you're going to see from a revenue wise, and, and it's sad to say that that's mm-hmm. what they care about. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll I mean, see. Sin City—they make their money on casinos. You know, 
Yep. Yep. It's so. it's yeah, it's crazy city in himself. But um, I think, a, a you know, a guy that is uh, a positive in, in this whole thing is Mark Kotze. He got um, they picked up his option, uh, extended him. So it looks like 2025 is what we're seeing right now as to when he's going to be running the team. And, you know, I I never heard anything bad about Kotze. I heard he was a wonderful leader and it was a no brainer to bring him back. I think the um I, I couldn't imagine when you're coaching a team that goes 50 and 112 that there's a lot of positives, but we saw a couple of those guys in the lineup that uh, really popped off uh, at certain portions of the year. And we'll talk about those guys uh, here uh, going up on the next segment with the current roster and what that looks like for the 2024 season. But, you know, as, as you and I both know, the manager and even in the most difficult times, if guys are still willing to play hard, which it seemed like they did, guys were willing to play hard i give a lot of credit to kotze yeah um he was signed through 25 right and like you mentioned it's hard to sign a guy after they go 50 and 112 but it's even harder when the year before they went 60 and 102 so <laughs> they're over 100 losses for the last two seasons right they did mention so i did read up a little bit as to why they signed i think it's kotze mark kotze right um I thought it was Kotze, but is it Kotze? There's so many different pronunciations that I've seen or heard. Um, But he and and part of the reason why they wanted to keep him through 25 is because of his ride as a player. So they talked about the owner, John Fisher, and and other people talk about. So he started as a as a high draft pick. He was a highly rated prospect. He was actually drafted ninth overall in 1996 by the um, then Florida Marlins. Um, he's a great defensive player in center and right field. He had an extremely strong arm. Um, the thing that they like about him is, A, he was kind of all over. So he started off as the high prospect, kind of struggled, then came on strong. He was part of a 100-loss team, and then he went on to be an all-star and part of playoff teams. He played for seven total teams, including two different stints with the Padres, so he's kind of a journeyman. So they're thinking that all this experience of – being down in the dumps is a hundred loss team. And then going back and being a part of a playoff team, he knows what both sides take and he knows hopefully how to get the hundred loss team over to be a playoff team. Um, because he's, you know, seen both sides of it. He retired as a player in 2013 and he's been doing front office and he was a hitting coach for a while. So he's had kind of every experience that you would expect a manager to have. And so I think that, you know, I imagine they know the product that they've given him to work with. (laughs) And I think their expectations were probably pretty low to begin with. And, you know, maybe they took a rain check in the locker room and said, Hey, you know, what do you guys think of him? Is he someone that you want to keep around? And they, they must've signed off because yeah, I mean, you don't sign a guy who is 110 and 214 as his, as his record, unless you really think that, you know, he could be something special. Great breakdown, brother. Let's talk about the team that's going to be led by Katze or Katze or uh, Mark. Uh, here in Mark let's just call him Mark in the 2024 season. So, Vinny, I know you have kind of a projected lineup and what that looks like, but from my, you know, review of of the lineup and everything as the year went on, I picked up guys like uh, Geloff and. And Rooker was at certain points um, absolutely outstanding. Uh, we had guys like Mason Miller pop off there for a little bit. 
a um, couple guys towards the end. We'll get towards their prospects and how that looks here in the future after this next after this segment. But it's a team where it was actually in certain in certain times was a little bit fun to watch because it was just a bunch of young guys. Ruiz is an unbelievable athlete. But what are we looking at? Why twenty twenty four lineup wise here for the A's? And this is of course without any free agents picked up. Well, temper your expectations on on free agents because they're they're two free agents that they signed. The big splurge of the offseason last year was that infielder that you talked about, Aledmiz Diaz, and also big name. They signed Jace Peterson last year. So those were their who two left. <laughs> who left. So those were their two big free agent signings Great. last year. Um, but they do have, and so you'll talk about two at some point soon. Um, but they currently have the twenty eighth ranked. Um, farm system according to fan graphs and so the reason for that is I think a lot of these guys have come up over the last two years especially and so that's why their record has been so poor but they haven't spent money they've just developed these guys so this is their projected 2024 lineup so we'll go around the horn starting with the catcher looks like it's going to be Shea Lears um, looks like a um, kind of a a Good defensive catcher with a lot of pop. He had 22 home runs, um, hit 205, but had a 268 OBP. So his plate skills and and hit, or I guess contact skills still need some work. Um, you have Shea Langoliers at catcher. You'll have Jordan Diaz at third base. Um, Nick Allen at shortstop. And then you do have Zach Geloff at second base. So he is probably one of the lone bright spots. Um, Ryan Noda at first. You'll have J.J. Bleday in left. Stewie Ruiz in center, Seth Brown in right, and then Brent Rooker as your DH. They did mention, or they they left out Tyler Soderstrom. I could see Soderstrom also making a run, um, either at first base, um, and maybe Ryan Noda gets moved to an outfield spot, either left or right or something. But um, I'm a big Soderstrom believer. I think he will eventually work his way into the lineup because you're not going to have J.J. Bade over Tyler Soders. I just don't believe it long-term. So um, some of the highlights of those guys, though, I talked about Zach Geloff. He put up in 69 games last year. He was an absolute stud. 14 home runs, 14 stolen bases, for good for 133 WRC+, plus. so weighted runs created. Um, the unfortunate thing is even though he was great and he's going to be great out of the two-hole or leadoff or wherever they put him, the problem that I think you'll see with him, Tyler, and, and you know, as you'll see throughout the year, his home run to fly ball ratio last year was 22%. Hmm. That's way too high. The MLB average is like slightly below 10%. So given that, it's probably the 14 home runs we're probably looking at. Maybe that's a, a high, a, a, you know, a season high. I could see the 14 stolen bases being legit. So I I project him for probably 10, 10 home runs, 30 steals next year. Um, but you're not going to see the kind of pop that you saw from him this year. Um, and his defensive value is solid too. So he had a DV of 3.5 and a, and a war of um, 2.9. So he was a great player, probably their best player, um, especially in that second half of the year. He's one to keep your eye on. Another one is Asturio Ruiz. So we talked about him, right? He had the second most steals behind Ronald Acuna Jr., right? Ronald had 73 in 159 games, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. But the crazy thing is, is that Asturi had 67 in 132 games. So you give Ruiz 
15 more games. And I think he beats Acuna in steals. Mm-hmm. He, he was on the shelf for a little bit and um, about halfway through the year. Um, and then those guys are in a stratosphere of their own. Then after that, you have Corbin Carroll with 54 steals in 155 games, which is still nuts to say. But um, Esther Ruiz has legit 80 grade speed. Um, he only has five home runs last year, though. So his power and his hit tool are just not good. I, they gave him a 35 grade hit tool on fan graph. So he had a 254 average. He's just he's a defensive liability on top of that. He had a negative 5.8 defensive value. Um, but a 9.2 base running value. So, you know, he is just the rabbit player that every team kind of has one of. So um, those are a couple of the guys. I have a few highlights of other ones. I'll just go through real quick. Lawrence Butler, he was the guy that they were hoping for bigger things for. Um, He's got great pop, but he did not hit well enough. He didn't have a very good year. Um, Shay Langliers, who I mentioned, hit 205, 268 OBP. Um, had 22 bombs, but he also had 143 strikeouts and 135 games. So, um, about 30% strikeout rate. And you mentioned, and maybe you have more on this guy, Brent Rooker. He was their lone all-star the only all-star player on the Oakland team. He ended up with 30 bombs, 246 average and a WRC plus of 127. He was their best player throughout the entire year. Um, Zach Geloff came up and, and tore the world up a little bit, but, um, Brent Rooker also has his own struggles. He had a 32% strikeout rate. And for the as much as he did play defense, he had a negative 14.8 defensive value, which is just ridiculous. He is horrible in the field. I'm sorry, Brent Rooker, you mash and you're going to be their DH, but you got to get better in the field. Um, so those are some of their offensive guys. Um, do you want to touch on any of them before I maybe do a pitcher and talk about some of their, their upcoming pitchers? Well, I just think it's uh, always crazy to look back at Brent Rooker's uh, stats in college. Do you remember sure. what he did? His uh, it's it's ridiculous. Here, one sec, my yeah, yeah, let me hear it. My iPad is going absolutely crazy, but he was one of, in my opinion, one of the best college hitters that I have ever seen. So let's look here. So he had. This thing is a terrible thing. He hit over almost, he almost beat uh, Rafael Palmero's records of batting average, home runs, RBIs, everything. And so a lot of, a lot of people saw him being something very, very special coming up. And he's been a kind of a journeyman there for a little bit, right? Cause that was 2017 when he had that uh, great, uh, great season It's 2023 now and takes a long time for these guys to come up. But, just like you beautifully said, there there is guys in this lineup that have tools that are elite tools. Ruiz is, like you said, number two in MLB this past year in stolen bases. Okay. He was only caught 13 times, which mm-hmm. is that's for for 67 stolen bases, you only get caught 13 times. That's that's pretty remarkable. Uh Rooker had over an 800 OPS. Um, and you know, what's, what's sad though, Vinny, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but do we see Rooker in our A's uniform for, you know, the next couple of years, or is he a guy that goes? And this is where we go back to the conversation that we had in the beginning. Are they willing to pay them? Right. I mean, if they're willing to sign a guy like Brent Rooker, I could totally see it. You know, he is a bat first guy. The problem with signing him is that he takes up your DH spot, right? You know, you can't really use that spot for flexibility anymore. It's it's kind of like the Otani problem, if if Otani even has a problem. 
he's got to take the util spot, right? He's not going to play anywhere in the field. So um, Rooker is, that's a great question. Are we going to see Rooker? Are we going to see, I don't know who else would be coming up. Soderstrom's probably getting up there. Um, Ruiz, Langoliers, even, I, I don't know what Bladé's contract looks like, but that's a great question. I don't know how long. So Rooker, so here's another thing too, mm-hmm. is that Rooker is on ARB until 2028. Right. So oh, then JJ okay. Blade, let's look at JJ Blade here. He doesn't hit his first ARB year till 2026. So, like, if you look at this and you say, yes, they're cheap, they don't have, besides Diaz being a free agent in 2025, Sean Newcomb being a free agent in 2026, and then Paul Blackburn being a free agent in 26 as well. Everyone else you have for, four plus years, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of, you know, it's not working, of course, record-wise. It's it's a joke. But they literally have just squashed everything that they owed from a money standpoint. Did you know that they owe Jace Peterson $2 million in 2024? That is it. That is all they owe for payroll regarding players that had left. So other than that, and Diaz getting $8 million in, in 2024, I mean, it'd be nice if they can somehow get, bring in like a decent free agent to fulfill their lineup because you, you went through that lineup there. It sounds like maybe um, I know Noda over at first base is a solid player. Langlers is a great catcher in himself. Um, but pitching wise, I knew you were going to touch on this here in a sec. It'd be nice for them to maybe bring in a guy, an underrated arm um, to just fulfill at least some of that bottom half of the, of the rotation. But go ahead with your uh, pitching assessment. Yeah, no, I think you had a good assessment of their offense, right? They got guys who have elite to elite tools, right? Um, and so maybe they're hoping to build around and then maybe they do spend some money on a, on a solid free agent or two and then they feel like they can compete, right? And that's probably been their plan, right? Is they let the kids play for the last two years and now it's like, okay, we own them for the foreseeable future for at least a few years now. So we are going to use their up and coming experience and see who works and see who doesn't and sign from there. So um, as far as pitching goes though, (laughs) I mean, it's gotta be one of the worst rotations in baseball. If it's not the worst rotation, Um, the, the, the lone bright spot, and I'm not sure you can quite call it a bright spot yet is Mason Miller. Um, And I, I mentioned this right before we got on, but he, he has ace stuff. He is a potential stud for this team. Um, He has a big fastball, hits triple digits. It's a 70-grade fastball. He's in the 97th percentile in the major leagues already, um, even though he hasn't thrown very much. His big problem is just can he stay healthy, right? And um, he's a super young guy, so, you know, that's a thing that you'll see common. And, you know, I've seen some tweets about this as well, and I know you tweeted about it on the – Um, big fly pod as well are these guys getting hurt because they're trying to throw too hard and this is a whole nother conversation but mason miller is definitely a dude for them he's just got to stay healthy that's got to be like pitching staff number one priority keep him healthy um just some real quick stats from him though he had a in his innings last year he had a 10.26 k per nine which is elite stuff like you're actually yeah that's very good the other problem though and this is like approaching blake snell territory is he had a 4.3 walk per nine so 
not great there. He did end up with a 3-2-3 X ERA, so that is encouraging, even though his ERA sat at a 3 Now, what, do you know what, what is an X ERA? Expected ERA. Expected so, ERA? They, you know, there's X stats for everything, right? You have your ERA, which he ended up with a 3.78. And the XERA is essentially like, you know, taking into account variance. So, um, you know, he's playing with a horrible defense. I actually think their field is is pretty pitcher friendly. So I don't think that yep. took into account. But, you know, just with the amount of hard contact that he gave up and, you know, the the fly ball rates that he gave up and things like that, they take into account pretty much everything um, the defensive value of the players around him. And they said, okay, this is probably what his ERA would have been in a normal season. So three, two, three X ERA is extremely encouraging. Um, I know some people don't really like to take X stats into too much account, but the fact that it was about a half run different from his, his ERA, I think is pretty telling. Um, He pitched much better than his, his surface stats show. So he is a guy to watch. Even if you don't like watching the A's, you would love watching Mason Miller. He is just so much fun to watch pitch. The problem, though, is that's it. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Sean Newcomb. He actually was a brand new signing that they just um, pulled into their books within, I want to say, the last week. Um, so their projected rotation, including Miller, um, they look like they would have Paul Blackburn, James Capriellen, um, Luis Medina, Medina, excuse me, um, JP Sears. And then you have a, a cluster of guys, Ken Waldachuk, Joe Boyle, um, Hogan Harris, like nobody exciting. And even those top guys are just, I mean, those are four or fives at best on most teams. So they have to add a top top of the rotation guy, probably two of them if they want to be taken seriously. And they have to add another probably two serious bats if they want to do anything noteworthy next year. I don't see it happening. Maybe next offseason, they, they say, okay, we got the guys that we need. We're going to start being more aggressive, but I don't see it this year. I still think their outlook is a bottom five team at best. At best. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Let's talk about what their outlook could look like for next year's or next couple of years to come. We talked about their number two overall prospect in Mason Miller already. He had an elbow sprain in May that sidelined him until September, where he returned for a few outings of two to three innings here and there. Uh, but he's a bona fide ace like Vince talked about. He's got a 75-grade fastball. I call it I call it an 80-grade with a wipeout slider. And there's projections actually to see him become a closer uh, here in the future. Now, what I saw this year, though, I want to see him on the mound. Game one of an ALDS in the next five to six years would be, would be very, very electric. Um, now, looking at a couple other top prospects, their number one overall prospect, number 76 uh, overall in the top 100 per MLB.com is Jacob Wilson, famous for his uh, outlandish uh, attitude against Tennessee uh, this past season. It was an unbelievable uh, set of games they had at the beginning of the year of the college season, and Tennessee, known for its antics, really, uh, you know, Grand Canyon took that to heart as a kind of an underrated uh, Division One baseball club, and and took it to them, and, and and it was really an amazing baseball game. And Jacob Wilson was a big part of that win. Um, his dad is actually the coach uh, at Grand Canyon, and I can tell you this: I think anybody would have put Jacob Wilson out there starting at uh, shortstop. He's 21 years old, like I said, out of Grand Canyon. His first year of pro ball, he had a 333, 391, 475 slash line in rookie a uh, rookie ball. 
and high A, and he's projected to reach the big leagues here in 2025 per his MLB.com profile. A couple other names to watch out for. Max Muncy, not the one who just got a two-year, $24 million contract. Funny enough, Benny, on his uh, MLB.com profile, they accidentally put that Muncy received <laughs> a two-year, $24 million <laughs> deal, uh, so they maybe need to change that. Uh, but he was a shortstop drafted in the first round back in 2021 by the A's. Um, he actually had uh, in the Arizona Fall League, which features uh, the top prospects mm-hmm. in the MLB, receiving additional time to play out here in Arizona uh, at a couple of the MLB complexes. He had three stolen bases, actually, either tonight or last night. So um, a guy to potentially watch out for. We'll see if he uh, you know, is able to make the ball club next year. That'd be an exciting thing. 275, 353, 411 stat line in both high A and double A this past season. So hopefully being in triple A next year and then getting that route out to the MLB, maybe towards the latter half of 2024. One underrated prospect to talk about, Vinny, is this guy, Joe Boyle. Six foot seven, right-handed pitcher, uh, played at Notre Dame. 80-grade fastball, easily up to 100. He came up towards the end of September. He had two solid starts at the end. His last start showcased a seven-inning performance that showcased a no-hitter into the sixth, giving up just three earned, allowing uh, just two hits, two walks, and racking up six Ks. Like I said, uh, with that 80-grade fastball, his biggest issue has been command. Um, But this is a guy that, if you throw Joe Boyle and Mason Miller at your one-two, I think we're seeing something, uh, you know, exciting for next year. Maybe for fantasy baseball guys, maybe a guy kind of an underrated name to pick up that you can uh, grab a couple starts there during the year. But I'm hoping, and I really am, I'm hoping that we can see a couple of these guys really make a big jump here in the next year because while this is all very sad to watch this happen, we won't see the A's in Vegas probably for a couple of years if that does end up happening. So it'd be nice to see the Oakland Coliseum. It'd be something special, actually, to be able to see them maybe get one playoff game, right? Just one before it all ends. Highly unlikely, but it'd be really nice to see that. Any any other notes there on those top prospects, Vinny? Yeah, I love that you brought up Joe Boyle. Um, I just looked at some of his his strikeout numbers over the last two years. So 2023, you're going to like this. 84 total innings over AA and, and AAA. Out of those 84 innings, he ended with 122 strikeouts, which is just nuts. Um, last year, 2022, just so you know, that's not a one-year thing. He had 153 strikeouts in 100 innings. So um, clearly, he's got the big stuff to come up and and get a lot of strikeouts. Um, and then the other one I wanted to mention, too, that I have heard quite a bit about is Daniel Susak. Um catcher currently in double a right now looks like he could come up in 2025 oops excuse me um and suzak is a great bat so he is a out of the 139 games that he's played in about a season and a half he is a career 300 hitter in the minors um doesn't come with a whole lot of pop he's only got nine home runs nine stolen bases but guy just hits you know 300 if you can get a guy a catcher who hits 280 you know that's going to be huge for them. So those two I, I want to touch on, but great on Joe Boyle. I hope he comes up and, and really proves a lot of people that he he belongs there. And um, yeah, same with Suzak. Our little segment here, okay, called What Could Have Been. Uh, uh, this, is, this is tough. 
This is tough. So looking at the 2020 Oakland A's roster, all right, pitchers included Chris Bassett, Jake Diekman, Liam Hendricks, Jesus Lazardo, Shane Manaya, Mike Meyer, Frankie Montes, catcher wise, Sean Murphy, and and Jonah Heim. Two worlds last infielders. Series, yeah. Yep. Infielders include Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon. You know, not just, you know, up for an MB- AL MVP vote or anything like that. Outfielders wise could be different now with if you add him, you know, maybe if Rooker was actually uh, good on the defensive side. Seth Brown, Mark Hanna, solid pickup there. Robbie Grossman. Mm-hmm. Always a nice, always a nice player there, Ramon Laureano when he was mm-hmm. electric, yeah. And Stephen Piscotti, and you have the <laughs> famous, the famous, the the Kyle Schwarber of 2020, Chris Davis. Oh, that's How like crazy, a, man. And you know, I, I just looked; I didn't know their record in 2020. Did you know that they were first place in the American League West by seven games in the shortened season? They they had it. They were thirty six and twenty four that year. And then hey, look at that twenty twenty one. They still missed playoffs, but they finished ten games above five hundred in twenty twenty one. So they had all of the ingredients. That's I think what probably is the most infuriating thing for fans is it was there, right? It was there. They were one of the best teams in twenty twenty. Like it's just it's mind blowing that they've let it slip so much. So just wild to think about. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned all the big names that they let go. I, you know, maybe they just don't have the payroll for it, but you you got to do what you can to keep some of them because now, right now, you have all these young guys coming up. Imagine what they could do if they had a guy like a, a Sean Murphy or Matt Olson or someone on their team who has the experience and is a standout player. Just, I, I can't imagine being an A's fan right now. Like what? Do you, like what do you? I mean, when you when you watch this happen, it, it is truly sad. Yeah, it's sad, man. Like people, you you spend money on, you know. I think about like that kid who is growing up in Oakland, and this is his team, and he mm-hmm. goes to the game, and he looks around the stadium, and he's thrilled to be there. Goes and gets his hot dog, gets his cotton candy, like all these like cute, emotional, romantic thing, romantic things about baseball. And then he looks on TV at Wrigley Field, and there's more fans in the damn you know view of the pitcher throwing to the catcher that is standing in the back right behind home plate than there is in in the Oakland Coliseum. And the Oakland Coliseum, as we saw it with that reverse boycott can absolutely sell out and is an electric stadium. You saw videos of that guy. I can't, I'm blanking on his name that had that wild, wild introduction out of the bullpen. Do you remember him? I, I, I'm blanking on the name. Was it from this past year? No, it was, it was when it was when things were electric and it had this like rage. They called it like the rage or something. Mm, no, I don't remember that. And, and, and you just watch this and you're like, why, why can't this be? What truly, like, like, you're a sport that is for fans, and you can make a, a lot more money if you just spend it on your players and take care of your players, right? Tell me that your return on investment won't be higher than mm-hmm. the contract that you give your player. You're telling me that $8 million or $10 million or $12 million that you want to give to a player is not going to be a good ROI? 
tell me how that is and tell me why you think you're not going to make even more money for yourself because you're a selfish owner than 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 when you with your method right now of just making sure that each of these players earn below 2 million arbitration mm-hmm. right that's my problem and i and i understand that he has this mindset that he um you know oh well o- oakland wouldn't pay for us to get a new stadium okay then make make with what you have Right, make it worth it, man. Like, what makes you think that your methodology is working? You mm-hmm. haven't won anything. You haven't done anything. You've never been anything. So why are why are you consistently making it so miserable for your fans and making it like you know, like at least invest around the state, like do something with that with what you have versus just looking towards a way out. And that's the way that I look at it, Vinny. And it really, really frustrates me and makes me passionate about this because like baseball is such a beautiful game and is, and is such an amazing spectacle to go watch. And all you've done is make it miserable for the fans to come watch. And they now have to facilitate a reverse boycott in order, in order to get this done. You're making people do this ridiculous my, like thing to prove that the fans are there. You never were going to get your fans because you never invested in the team. So I don't feel bad for this guy, Vinny, at all. I don't. And I hope he doesn't. I hope that somehow, some way, he's not even involved in the next five years with the organization. That all the money that 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 the uh, the Vegas A's will get will go to someone else who actually cares about their team. I like Steve Cohen. I really, really do. While he screwed up on how much money he handed out, he's taken that back. And now he's looking to invest in the stadium. Right. You have an owner that cares and wants to win. And unfortunately, in this day and age, man, we have a lot of owners that are like John Fisher in the sense that we're not willing to give money to these guys and give money to the player, to the players, to the stadium. Make sure the workers are taken care of. Look at this as a full scale project rather than looking at it as a little slight of a moneymaker based on the fact that you can't give guys a few extra million dollars that you've pocketed yourself because you're selfish and that you don't care about the fact that. Fans, it's all about the fans, and it's all about the organization, and it's completely embarrassing what he's done. Yeah, I mean, I, I did just do a little bit of a look on him. He's owned the team since 2005. I don't know how much success they've had in his in his tenure. And um, I, I like you said, too, what does getting a new stadium get you? Why was he pushing so hard? Why is that the line for him to want to move cities? I, I, I don't know if I understand it like that's not going to bring you better baseball talent um if anything it just kind of raises questions and i i don't know i don't know and i did look it up too i think you're referring to the balfour rage grant balfour yes that name sounds yes. how yeah. amazing is that yeah mm-hmm. where they really? would have heavily heavy metal thrashing in in right field so i just thought that was really cool. what was his name again say his name again grant balfour I gotta pull this up, man, because I gotta, I love watching this stuff. Yeah, maybe post a video to, to Twitter or something of the the thrashing. It is the wildest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, he would walk out to one by Metallica, which total badass song, right? Like that's just I don't know if anything will beat Edwin Diaz's, but I imagine this is pretty close. Yeah, I'm going to share my screen. Yeah, let me see. Here, yeah. Let's start it here at the beginning. Can you, um, could you hear the screen? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they won the AL West in 2012, right? There you go. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen, man. And you're telling me, John Fisher, that you don't have enough money to make this place look a little better with the uh, team you're putting out on the field, the product you're putting out on your field? Was that some you're telling me this hat too? You're telling me, yeah, he's got whatever. We don't even know. <laughs> oh, look at him. He's hyped. Yeah, I mean, look at the, everyone's standing. They're all ready for it. Yep. You're telling me these fans don't care, man? Yep. Just takes a good product, man. Mm -hmm. Look at that place, man. That place, that, some of those seats haven't been touched probably mm -hmm. since 2020. Oh, look at that. Yep. The rage signs. Look at that. That guy's going. So, like I said, right. man. Put a good product out there. People will come. Build it and they will come. Build it and they will come. Right? Well, what is even there to talk about from a potential free agent, right? So there's a long list of names. One name that I had in mind mm -hmm. that, you know, if he didn't have as good of a year as he did now at the beginning, it was really, really rough. If they were, if I were thinking like, okay, your peak, right? Your peak guy that you can sign. How about a guy like Michael Walker? Okay. I like it. I do. It's your, it's your, now this is the top of the line, you know, starter that you're looking to bring in right mm -hmm. um that's a guy that i would consider okay but on the lower end that's where it gets tough right because it's you know because of the pitching market excuse me being you know not as um uh what's the word i'm looking for fruitful fruitful <laughs> great term dude uh you should podcast by the way I've thought about it. I'm not. I'm not sure. I really okay. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it after the yeah, podcast. Um, <laughs> but he, like he he might not be available with Waka, but like there's not a lot of guys out there. So a lot of these names are going to be taken off, and and that's what sucks because it's like then then some of these guys are going to get more money than what they actually would have gotten maybe last year or whatever year we've had where we've had a, a larger surplus of, of a quality starting starting pitchers. So now it's kind of a bleak list, but we kind of love uh, to hear if you have any ideas. Yeah, so the top does fall off pretty quickly. You do have Lucas Giolito, um, Eduardo Rodriguez. Again, the question becomes how much are they willing to spend? Because I actually do see quite a few guys who are down lower that they could consider. I mean, I don't know. If Marcus Stroman or Kyle Hendricks are going to leave Chicago, but they could be potential. Hendricks fits. is back, so we're good. Oh, Hendricks, is, Hendricks back. is back. Yep. I didn't see that. Um, got Seth Lugo. He's a potential guy. Um, and then there were a few other names that I would just seen. So give me, give me Luis Severino in the Oakland Coliseum. Electric, electric yeah, a little stuff bit of, right uh, there. If if maybe take a flyer on a guy like. Uh, they got Wade Miley out there, Andrew Heaney. Little, 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 yeah. Or yeah, like you, I mentioned before, mm -hmm. Flaherty. You can you can build a solid like squad off of mm -hmm. some of these names. Mm -hmm. You got Kenta really Maeda, Ryu out there. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mentioned Flaherty in the last one. James Paxton. They'll probably go to a better there. team, but yeah. right. And that's most of these guys will because most of them are going to go to teams that are actually willing to to pay them, right? So 
you know, how do you, Corey Kluber, how do you attract free agents, right? That's something that they, they just, I don't know if they're going to be able to do right now. Like they have to probably put out a better product before anyone wants to willingly sign there. And you can try to sell them on your three-year plan or something, but you just finished with 50 wins. Like maybe sell the team. Maybe don't you maybe don't need sell to sell the, the free agents. Maybe we just go in and just say, "Hey, we're the owner is selling the team." Okay, now I'm there. Now I'm in. But if yep. John Fisher is sitting up in that, you know, his party booth that has no fans around him in in the nearest mile, maybe uh, maybe things will be different. But I imagine, yeah, like you said, you start off with Mason Miller, and then you got you know a few guys in your roster already that can fill out. And then you sign a couple free agents. Like I got to imagine some of them could hit and make you a successful baseball team. I just don't know if it's going to get you into the playoffs unless you sign, you know, a high end guy. And I just don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. Well, folks, that was our segment on the Oakland A's and a little bit of breakdown. Vinny, fantastic job across the board on your breakdown of the the ball club and what we're looking at and the storylines surrounding the Oakland A's at this point, future Vegas A's really quickly. Just, did you see uh, just other storylines across the league? Did you see the Brian Cashman interview? I know you told me to watch it, but I I didn't go back and watch it. Do you have it? Like, can you, can you play it right now? It's, 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 it's pretty bad. Um, there, there's a lot of different segments that I could show. Um, let me, uh, maybe we'll bring it up on the next show. Bring it up on the next show and show you some segments. But, folks, if you have not listened to some of the remarks and comments that Brian Cashman has said, there's a lot of turmoil going on in the Yankees organization right now. And there's also two, um, I'll point folks in the right direction as well. Uh, Vinny, if you want something to watch tonight as well, there was a fantastic interview done on Foul Territory, I believe it is called. Um, Yep, Foul Territory. And it was done with a gentleman by the name of Eric Boland, who is a reporter for the Yankees. And he talks in depth about their scouting system, scouting department, where that lies and how difficult it has been to develop their players. Really, really interesting interview. It's Like I said, it's on foul territory. Um, it's about 27 minutes long, but it's a really interesting interview because they go over all the topics of what Brian Cashman discussed. I highly recommend you give that a watch. Um, other news, Otani has put out his list of, of top teams he wants to play for. Supposedly, this is his list, where it says Texas Rangers, San Francisco Giants, or L.A. Dodgers. Again, this is going to be the entire offseason until this man lands in in his next team. It's going to be rumor after rumor after rumor, but that's what makes the offseason the hot stove so beautiful. Right, Vinny? Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're going to be hearing these forever. Like Until actually probably just a couple days ago, I thought the Cubs had a very small chance. But from what I've seen just on Twitter, it looks like that they're going to be very aggressive and I hear you Darvish has talked to Shohei about Chicago and Darvish talked up Chicago. He loved his time here. Um, so that's only going to do, do good things for us. Say Suzuki obviously is another, you know, we have guys who have played from Japan here and um, you know, maybe that does something for us and the aggressiveness who doesn't love the city of Chicago. He could really be a piece that helps us, you know, 
be a perennial contender of some sort. So I could see that happening. And there's just, there's so many free agents out there that, you know, it's going to be exciting to see where a lot do you of them think, fall. Uh, do you think Jed Hoyler, uh, Jed, uh, not Jed Hoyler, jo- Jed Hoyer's opening presentation to Shoei Otani when he shows up at Clark and Addison here in a couple of weeks, do you think the opening slide is Kosuke Fukudome's go-ahead home run in on opening day in like 20, I can't even remember what year it was. Do you think that's what he puts up there and he looks at Shoei and he just winks at him? Like, this could be you. This could be you. And then he shows, does you Darvish have any playoff highlights or any sick highlights or something? Then he shows that and he says, this is also you. This could also be you. Hey, you don't have you- like 12 different pitches. You could, but this is him dicing up one of the years before we traded him, by the way. But, but we're not you'll be- discuss that. That's a whole nother. I'm actually really excited for when we get to the Padres because who the hell signs you Darvish to a seven-year contract at age 34, like after all his injury history? I don't know. Um, but That'll if, be a great, great episode. If Shohei comes to Chicago, we are doing an emergency pod immediately, um, and it's going to be a three-hour podcast of just us crying and screaming tears of joy because I am going to lose my mind if he comes to Chicago. I am going opening day. I don't care. Like, just I am so excited. It's it's great. Last thing on the docket, the GM meetings have been canceled down here in Arizona because supposedly 10% of the GMs have a stomach virus. So just like I want to puke over that lineup for the A's in 2024, the GM meetings have uh, officially been canceled, which that created a lot of buzz, of course, with council's move. Um, not just with the Cubs, but everything, right? And just all the swirling rumors and what teams are going for. Um, in the famous Brian Cashman interview, which again, uh, it, yeah. please, please check that out. All right. Well, Vinny, another great episode, brother. Um, anything else before we sign off here? No, just um, they they say this in the one podcast that I listened to, and I'm going to steal it just for a second. Tyler, you're an 80 grade host. You you kill it every time, right? You know how we have the 80 grade fastball. You are the 80 grade host. Like you just you you got your stuff ready. You got the smooth, sexy voice, right? You just you 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 hit check all the boxes. So um, keep doing what you're doing. Really excited to keep rolling forward with this. And um, we got the Colorado Rockies next next week. CM better be on for this one. Yeah, and he better be ready to go because that prospect uh, rankings will be really really fun to talk about. Yeah. Well. Folks, this has been another edition of the Big Fly Pod. And, of course, we will talk to you here again soon.